Episode 13, the Photon Podcast. We're going to talk about programming your radios and what makes sense with that. We're also going to talk about the DX Code of Conduct and more. Stay tuned. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photon, the other ham radio podcast. Sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Hale Nelson, K4CDN. It is episode 13. Hello, I am Kale Kilo for Charlie Delta November. I am your host of the Photon Podcast. The Photon Podcast is... Wow, it is an amateur radio podcast, also known as the Other Ham Radio Podcast, because there's a lot of them out there, and we're the other one that you are listening to now. So thank you. Uh, We've been doing this since about July, so we've got 13, 14 episodes up now, and kind of played with the numbers there for a moment. But yeah, this is number 13. We we invite you to go back and listen to our previous episodes if this is the first time you're joining us. I hail from the upstate of South Carolina, born and bred, as my uh, accent probably lends pretty well. And I want to thank you for being here. A big shout out and a big thank you to everyone who took the call of action last episode, went to iTunes, went to the places you listen to the podcast at or from, and left a review. There were 10 of you that went to iTunes so far and reviewed the show. So thank you very much. They were all positive, all five stars. And I genuinely appreciate you doing that. We'll go through some of those in a couple of minutes because there were some really good ones I want to share with you if you hadn't seen them yet. All right. uh, The Photon Podcast is sponsored by Main Trading Company. And Main Trading Company is an amateur radio store in Paris, Texas. They ship worldwide. They offer free shipping on most orders over $100. They are very friendly folks. It is a family-run business, and I know all about that. We've been doing a family-run business thing here at my house since 2001. It's not very easy uh, to run the business. It's even harder to build your reputation, and the Lenore family in Paris, Texas, have done quite a fine job in building a reputation and offering the ham radio community a great place to go shop and a very competitive place to find the gear that you're looking for. They offer brand new gear. They have uh, Kenwood and Icom repacks right now, meaning that uh, maybe it was recertified at the factory or it was a display model somewhere. Uh, they're They're pretty nice discounted items there. So make sure you check those out if you're interested in those. They also have used equipment. They have an eBay store as well as selling used equipment on their website. All of their used equipment, if I'm not mistaken, comes with some sort of warranty. And you can call into the main trading company store, talk to Tammy, Christy, or Richard, and they can answer any questions that you may have. They also offer layaway, which is really nice with Christmas coming up, uh, in-store financing, and a brand new extended warranty system that uh, they're really excited about. I had hoped to have Richard actually come on the program this episode and kind of share with you his story, the main trading company story, and we just couldn't work it out. He's just bombarded. He does ham fest. He also runs the show. Uh, he does a load of work on eBay and uh, all the internet sales. So uh, the, the store's just mad. This is a terrible time. I shouldn't have even asked, to be honest with you. Uh, thinking back now of how busy they probably are with the Christmas holiday coming. So 
apologize. We'll get Richard on pretty soon to talk about uh, the story of how Maine Trading Company came to be. It's a really neat story, a great entrepreneurial vision, and uh, can't wait to share it with you. Like I said, I am Kale. I am a general class no-code operator, and I'm going to post a picture in the show notes of a t-shirt that uh, someone who will go unnamed sent to me. And it's pretty funny. It's got uh, on the front of the the front of the T-shirt says "Photime Podcast Amateur Radio 15com and then the back of the shirt says something like "Just another no code ham ruining the hobby" or something like that. It's hilarious, and I can't wait to can't wait for you to get to see that. I do want to tell you this though: this episode's a little different. Of course, they're all a little different from the last ones, and that's kind of uh, what keeps you guessing, maybe right? Um. George Zeropoulos, you may remember George from the repeater episode, and I and Jeremy and Gerald are all working on a series about MCOM boxes. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to take you down the road of the MCOM box. And what is an MCOM box? Well, Jeremy talked about it just a few episodes ago. I think that was number 11, where he shared with us the mindset of planning and preparation for an MCOM box. But uh, it's an emergency communications box. It may be a a walkie-talkie and a spare battery with a roll-up antenna. It could be a uh, AK-47 box with like an ammo can with a UHF, VHF radio in there, and you're able to use it uh, in case of an emergency. It could be an entire mobile station. So there's a lot of options, and we're going to begin bringing those to you. We have a lot of calls. We have a lot of emails. I should say, where people are coming to us and asking us about these these sorts of things. And most of those are coming from new amateur radio operators, new licensees, or those who are interested in getting in the hobby, which is really neat. As I sit back and think about, the majority of the, the emails we get are from new people, people who aren't licensed, or if they are, they're brand new. And it's really cool as a podcast operator Is that the right term to use? Because that just put a really funny picture in my mind. As a podcast host host or the creator of the podcast, you you define your target audience. And the target audience of the Photon Podcast is me. It's a fairly new ham or brand new or even coming into the, the hobby. Okay. Under, say, 55 years old. Uh, middle class, lower middle class, somebody that can afford at least, you know, a hundred bucks of equipment and can listen to a podcast with some sort of technology. So, you know, it's me and that's who we're shooting for. What's really cool about all that is we keep getting new people coming to the podcast, asking questions, wanting to be a part of what we're doing here, wanting to learn from the knowledge that our guests are bringing to you. And it's really exciting. I mean, every single day we get someone new approach us, us being the the, the folks who are the podcast, about uh, what can they do. I want to get my license. I just did get my license. What do I do now? How do I talk on a repeater? I just got my upgrade to general. I'm scared to death to get on HF. What do I do? Well, one of the things we we all, and all being all amateur radio operators, need to remember is that this is a hobby made of gentlemen and gentlewomen. Now, that doesn't mean everybody out there is one, okay? Uh, it's like anything, right? On an internet forum, you have the guys who you were you wish weren't on there that just are there to cause problems and stir stuff. You have those in amateur radio. But the thing about it is you also have it 
uh, at your kid's ball field when y'all go to practice or you have it at work or you even have it at Thanksgiving dinner when your brother-in-law, who's an idiot, comes in, and, and mine's not, by the way, but uh, you have an idiot brother-in-law that comes in and ruins Thanksgiving for everybody. Well, there are tools everywhere. In the amateur radio hobby, a tool is also known as a lid, L-I-D, okay? Uh, the other day, the other day, somehow I got pulled into Facebook uh, on a post about a guy who had just got his general license and uh, I think I might have contributed something like, congratulations on your upgrade. You're going to really enjoy HF. Well, I just wanted to tell the guy congratulations, right? And for whatever reason, there were notifications on my phone turned on. So every time someone posted in this, I don't think you call it a thread, but whatever it is on Facebook, uh, anytime somebody posts, well, it was just blowing my phone to pieces. And I finally got in there and turned the notification off because it was driving me mad. But when I was doing that, I went back and read some of the comments that people were, were putting on Facebook regarding this guy getting his general class upgrade, not really knowing what to do, not having a load of money to put into the hobby to buy a really expensive rig. And he was just asking the question, you know, what is a good place to start? Where is a good place to start for a guy on a budget? Well, if there's anybody that understands budget, it's me, okay? I am self-employed, unemployed, whatever, however you want to look at it, since 2003, okay? We started our business in 01. My first child was born in three. I became a stay-at-home dad, homeschooling dad now. So there's not a lot of money to go around, okay? I understand budget items. So I went back and was reading some of his comments, couldn't figure out why why the the thread had gone this way. And what happened was somebody said, well, some some lid, some tool came on there and told the guy, well, if you're a general and you could pass the test and you don't have any money, you should have the knowledge to go into your shack and build your own transceiver. <laughs> really? A guy told him that. And then he got piled on with a couple of other guys. Yeah, if you're a general, you should also know code and you should also be, you know, just garbage. You guys, you guys are, are around it. And I'm not knocking the code guys. I'm not I'm not propping up the no code guys, right? I'm just telling you about this conversation I watched play out on Facebook, which you all know that I'm not a big Facebook guy. I think it's kind of ridiculous, but you know, we use it to communicate nowadays, so there it is. But instead of encouraging this guy to, you know, join a local club, find an Elmer uh, get together with someone who can help you, maybe even help you make good decisions in purchasing gear. Nope. They just wanted to beat up on him because he couldn't build a transceiver. I couldn't build a transceiver. I don't know how many of you out there could. I mean, seriously, I guess I could if I took the time and had a year or so to, to give to it, but this guy wants to get on the air. He's got four or 500 bucks. He's trying to figure out the best way to spend it, which leads me to this. A lot of new people coming in have a lot of questions about this hobby. Why do they have so many questions? It's huge. It's very monstrously huge. And there are a lot of different avenues that you can explore as a new guy or a guy who's been in it for 40 years, 50 years. One of the things that I think we don't stress enough, and, and I've been guilty of this, this, this podcast was created for folks entering the hobby I've not even touched on this. And maybe I haven't covered this because I live in a pretty fairly polite society. I'm from the South. By and large, most Southerners are polite people. 
not saying all of them are, but by and large, we're known for our sappy <laughs> politeness. We say, yes, sir. We say, yes, ma'am. We say, no, sir. We say, no, ma'am. And so a lot of these things I don't really think about. But, you know, this is a nationwide audience. This is a worldwide audience. So I'm going to take off my rose-colored glasses for just a moment. And I want to talk to you about ethics and operating procedures and some things that if you've never seen this as a new amateur radio operator or someone interested in getting into the amateur radio hobby, some things that we need to look at. We'll do that here in just a second on the Photon Podcast. Ethics and operating procedures. I got to digging around online, and, and I had actually never found this document until today. So I'm a little behind with sharing it with you. But in the essence of getting the podcast out on time, I'm going to just touch on this, link it in the show notes, and encourage everyone who hasn't seen this, especially the new guys, and even especially the guys who have been around for 40 years, you may need a reminder on this. It looks like in 2010, in June 2010, October, November, four uniform November, and October, November, four whiskey, whiskey, that's uh, John and Mark, put together the ethics and operating procedures for the radio amateur. And uh, they've got it in a PowerPoint presentation. It's also a pretty large PDF you can find online. Like I said, I'm going to link it for you. It's 68 pages. And um, it goes through everything, everything. And it's really, I think it's something personally, and I'm going to mention this to the, to the local club, that this is something that should be maybe handed out at a testing session when people get their license. This is the kind of stuff, after going through it here pretty rapidly over the last you know, hour or so, looking at it, it's very deep and it's very comprehensive regarding amateur radio practices but they've got the amateur radio code now this is not the dxcc code all right we'll cover that in a couple of minutes this is the radio amateurs code as found in the uh, basic operating in ethics manual all right a radio amateur is considerate meaning he never knowingly operates in such a way as to lessen the pleasure of others now going back to my initial default to the Southerner here, we try to be considerate. But I know there's some jerks in the South, trust me. And I know where you can find them on the bands, as do you. But the fact remains that this hobby, to continue in its course, has to have considerate operators. When you're operating, please be considerate. Loyal. He offers loyalty, encouragement, and to support and support to other amateurs, their local clubs, IARU Radio Society, that's the ARRL here in the U.S., throughout which amateur radio in his country is represented nationally and internationally. So not only do you be loyal, you're to encourage and support other amateurs, you're to encourage your, and support your local club and the, the uh, lobbying rec. Uh, lobbying groups such as the ARRL here in the U.S. Loyalty. Now, I want to touch on just a point here. He is supposed to offer encouragement and support to other amateurs. 
the dudes on Facebook that were bashing the guy who wanted a low-cost HF rig because he couldn't build one or they thought he should be able to since he had passed as far as upgrade, they weren't necessarily showing any support or loyalty or encouragement to that guy. And again, that's a red mark in my book on those guys. All right. It's not about rules. It's about being responsible with what you've been given. Okay. Number three, progressive. He is to keep his station up to date to make sure it is well built and efficient. And his operating practice is above reproach. Now, I put some emphasis on operating practice because it's bold print and italicized in the radio amateur's code here. Um, I've been on the air for, what, four or five years now? I've been a listener for much longer than that. I am surrounded by a good, solid local club with some very, very talented operators who do keep their operating practices above reproach. These guys are professional amateurs, okay? You've heard them. I've heard them. Oh, man, the guys on AM, wow. Don't you love listening to that? If you haven't, you need to go. It's beautiful sounding. But there are people out there, and we should all strive to be that way, that we operate within the bounds of the hobby without reproach. Now, that goes to me, that goes without saying in everything we do. But, you know, not everybody has the same morals and ethics as I do. I understand that. Okay, but to go back to that progressive, it's kind of a hard term to use in today's society, but it's talking about keeping your station up to date. And I view that as safe, that you don't just have drop cords running everywhere and and open connectors and RF spilling out everywhere. You're there to take care of yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a very nice, you know, Heath kit rig set up or a big Hammerlin receiver or something, a big Drake you know, something like that, 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 that's part of it, man. But if you're there, you're probably not just stack. Well, I don't know. There's some that stack it to the ceiling, just practice above reproach. All right. Next is friendly. He is to operate slowly and patiently when requested. He offers friendly advice and counsel to the beginner, kind assistance, cooperation, and consideration for the interest of others. These are the marks of the amateur spirit. Now, I have never seen this until today, but I have made strides in my operating since I got licensed to follow this. Now, it may just be the way that I was raised. You know, it may just be the morals and ethics that my parents pounded into me uh, that come out. Okay, we all try to be considerate. We all try to be friendly. That's how we're raised, how I was raised. There's others that aren't raised in that fashion, and they may not operate that way. Okay, that's why we have these things that we need to go back and refer to to make sure we're following them in the spirit of the hobby. He has to operate slowly and patiently when requested. You know, I don't do CW. I haven't gotten the time to learn it yet. Sorry if that offends you. I'm not there yet, man. I've got five children I'm homeschooling, okay? And I'm creating this podcast instead of studying for my extra anyway. So um, he's to offer counsel, friendly counsel and advice to the beginner. Kind assistance, cooperation, consideration for others. That's important. That's important. If you're new coming in this hobby, uh, you've just passed your test, congratulations. It doesn't mean you know everything. None of us do. Some of us will think we will. Just kindly say okay and go find someone who can help you, all right? Balanced. 
This one really touched a nerve with me. All right, listen to this one, balanced. Radio is a hobby. It's a hobby. Never interfering with duties owed to your family, your job, your school, or your community. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I am uh, I'm really, really bothered by the way things are going in this country in regards to parenthood, most especially fatherhood. I'm not going to preach to you or, or get off on a tangent, but just to kind of preface this, I'm really bothered by the things that I see going on around me. And I see a lot of the problems coming back, not on the government's shoulders, but on the fact that the family has been decimated and the father's role regarding raising his children, being a part of the household is gone. It's not encouraged. And we have amateurs who are licensed, who spend more time in front of their their rigs than they do with their children. They get they, they go upstairs and get their supper and they take it down in the basement into the shack and they eat supper on the air, trying to make a contact, trying to make a contact or checking into a net or calling a net or being a part of a, an echo link group or something. And your wife and your kids, I don't even know who you are, man. Now there's some of you that aren't listening anymore. I just offended some of you and that's okay. Because sometimes you just got to call a problem out. That's a problem. It's not just amateur radio. It's every hobby. It's everything. We go to the table to eat with our kids, and they've, they're they on their phones, and we're on our phones, and not a word is spoken between each other. We've lost balance in this society. We've lost our balance. The radio operator's code here reminds us to be balanced. It reminds us that this radio hobby that we're in is just a hobby, okay? It's a hobby. We're not to let our family duties, our job duties, our school duties, or our duties to our community, and you can put a slash there and say county, state, nation, however you want to read it. We can't let things, including amateur radio, get in the way of those who need us the most, and it starts at home. I'm going to stop there. If you're still here, thanks. Lastly, patriotic. His station and skills are always ready for service to country and community. Aren't you glad that years ago the government decided that the HF bands were worthless for them to use? So they gave them to us. Now, in turn, we are here to be a communication system if needed for our communities, for our countries, for the nation, the world. Not saying you have to be a part of Aries, not saying you have to sign up for races or, or be a skywarn spotter or jump in on every net that's called when there's a thunderstorm running, but you should be proficient in your duties. If you were called upon to act, you would know what to do. You'd know how to operate your gear proficiently. You'd know how to program your gear. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. That is the Radio Amateur's Code. All right, you can find that on page five of this very large document, the Ethics and Operating Procedures for the Radio Amateur, as compiled in 2010. And that was actually adapted from the original Amateur's Code, written by Paul Segal, who was Whiskey 9, Echo Echo Alpha. He wrote that in 1928. 
So that goes to show me we've had problems in the hobby for quite some time that we've had to have somebody write this down so we'd have a reminder in front of us, right? All right, that is that part of ethics. I want to talk real quick about the DX code of conduct. And you guys who are new, DX we've talked about before. Remember, it's a distant station. It's a distant station you're trying to either hear or have contact with. All right, so when you're on HF and you're trying to make a contact as a newly licensed general, there's some things that you need to remember. Now, this kid, this very first one, this this very first one, even the first two or three maybe, maybe the first two, or first two minus three and then four, whatever. Some of these also apply to just local operations, okay? It goes back to being courteous, but we'll start this is what's called the DX Code of Conduct. It's a good reminder. Number one, I will listen and listen and listen again before calling. If you're, you're out trying to chase some DX, you're going to stop. You, you, you hear them, you stop, you stop your VFO, you're, you're listening, and you're listening. It gives you an opportunity to hear what, they're, what the, the operator on the other end is looking for. He may be calling someone in a different uh, number area than you are. He may be calling someone in a different part of the world. He may not want to talk to you. All right, You won't know if you're not listening. If you hear them calling, you need to stop and listen and then begin the call to try to reach them. All right. Now, how does that work with your local, your local repeaters? Simple. The majority of my operating on local repeaters happens in my vehicle. When I get in the truck, hit the glow plugs, hit the radio, wait on the glow plugs to light, finally get the truck started. During that entire time, I'm listening. I've caught myself in the past, especially in the summer when I don't have to wait on glow plugs, getting in the truck, turning on the radio, picking up the microphone, giving my call. <clears throat> Just because I didn't hear anything between pressing the power button and picking the microphone up doesn't mean that there's something there's not a conversation happening there and the two operators three operators just took a took a deep breath they went to look for something to come back to the conversation with listen listen and listen again before trying to make contact that right there will save you so much embarrassment everybody's shaking their head Number two in the DX code of conduct, I will only call if I can copy the DX station properly. You know, we we get on the air and, and we're listening and we hear something way down in the noise. And we start calling. It doesn't matter, man. You can't hear them. You're just trying to get a contact and then you'll figure out who they are. No, 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 no. According to the DX code of conduct, you only call them if you can actually receive their station calling completely, all right, and properly. Number three of the DX code of conduct, I will not trust the DX cluster, and I will be sure the DX station's call sign before calling. Now, that's pretty easy for me. I don't have Internet access in the shack. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I can't trust the cluster because I don't even use the cluster. I use the VFO. <laughs> You guys are like, oh, are you? Yes, that's what I do. I, I use the VFO knob to find distant stations that are calling DX. 
Oh, uh, let's see here. I will number four. I will not interfere with the DX station nor anyone calling, and will never tune up on the DX frequency or in the QSX slot. Don't that just drive you nuts, man? You're sitting there and you're trying to make a contact. You're not. Like, you're you're trying to call this guy, and you're in. A, he's got a pileup going, and somebody decides, oh, hey, there, there's something happening over here. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and tune my radio right here on the frequency. Serious? <laughs> I mean, really, man. You talk about not being nice to other people, but it happens. It happens all the time. And this is uh, the DX code of conduct. It's a reminder, okay? It's a reminder not to tune there. And the QSX means, will you listen for on another frequency? So they're basically saying, don't key up where the guy's calling and don't go key up where the guy's listening, okay? Find somewhere else in the same band that's not busy and tune your radio, okay? Don't be tuning while someone's calling. All right. I will wait for the DX station to end the contact before I call. Now, I mean, the guy don't even finish one QSO, which is a conversation, QSO, with somebody until people are piling up trying to call him again. And the guy's going to sit there for the next 12 hours and take your call. Take a deep breath. Wait your turn. Okay? I mean, yeah, we all want to make the contact. We don't have to be an idiot about it. I will always send my full call sign. I hear this a lot, contesting especially. You'll hear somebody, you know, break with a break with one station and open up for another, and all you hear is CDN, CDN. And of course, that's less to say than Kilo Four, Charlie CDN, or you know, Charlie Delta November. It's a lot less to say. So the guy, you know, he picks it up and he, you know, station ending and CDN or. CDN call or station with CDN, Charlie Delton over. Use your whole call. That's why they assigned it to you. If it's too long, pay your $21.60. I don't even want to talk about that. Pay your money to get a vanity call or upgrade to a general or, I'm sorry, upgrade to an extra and get you a nice 2 by 2 one by 2 2 by one something. If, you, if you've got a, if you've got a 2 by 3 man, pay the money, get you a vanity. If it takes too long to send... Pay your money, get a vanity. Don't just throw stuff out there for people to hear, okay? If people would do just what we've done so far, it would be so much easier on contesting days. I will call and then listen for a reasonable interval. I will not call continuously. That means you don't try to jump in the middle of a pileup, K4CDN, Kilo 4 Charlie Delta November, Kilo 4 Charlie Delta November, Kilo 4... No, no. It's not how you do it, man. The dude could be trying to get back to you, and you're still keying up over him with your call. Talk about a tool. I will not transmit when the DX operator calls for another call sign, not mine. Got your feelings hurt? Yours isn't big, is as big as his? Sorry. You can wait your turn. I will not call or transmit when he calls another station, not mine. Be polite. I will not transmit when the DX operator queries a call sign that is not mine or not like mine. If you're a Whiskey 4 and he's calling for a Kilo 3, you know he's not talking to you, man. There's no way. You can't get Whiskey and Kilo messed up. Kilo. <laughs> Somebody was ranting about people using Kilowatt 
instead of kilo. The other day I saw that's kind of funny. I have an ID in a few minutes. This is Kilo for Charlie Delta November. You're listening to the Photon Podcast. All right, back to the <laughs> back to the DX code of conduct. I uh, will not transmit when the DX station requests geographic areas other than mine. All right, so I live in Foreland. Okay, two stations, two stations only, two stations, two stations only. You got a guy DX. You got a guy calling into the U.S. Stations. Two, station two, two stations only. There's no need for me to try to get into the conversation right there. There's no need to get him to try to answer me because I'm a four station. Okay, I'm four, not a two. If you want a two, get you a vanity or move up there. Okay. (laughs) If he's not calling your geographic area, and you should know your geographic area. Now, that doesn't mean... If Like if I've got a friend, Brett. Brett's a November 9 call. He got it when he lived in Indy. He now lives in the upstate of South Carolina. If the guy's calling 9, he can get in on a 9 because he's got a 9 call. If he calls a 4, he doesn't need to try to go because he doesn't have a 4 call. Okay? When the DX operator calls me, I will not repeat my call sign unless I have. I think he has copied it incorrectly. And that happens a lot. That's why we use phonetics, okay? That's why we should use the general phonetics and not some crazy whiz-bang, you know, off the top of your head, less name, distant cities, unless he's using distant cities or capitals or mainlands or countries or whatever. You try to match his phonetics, but at the same time, if you're comfortable using what you know, then use what you know, and don't keep giving it to him if he's got it right. I will be thankful... And and if, let me try this again. I will be thankful if and when I do make a contact. You get the guy, you've made the contact. You don't need to tell him he's a jerk. He should have answered you 30 minutes ago. You've been calling. You tell him, thank you very much. You wish him a great day. 73, and you're clear out of the way. Okay? You just, you get your contact and you move on. And lastly, this one ties right back to the amateur code we covered just a few moments ago i will respect my fellow hams and conduct myself so as to earn their respect as a kid my grandfather was a very very huge influence in my life he was a self-made businessman world war ii veteran survived the bikini bomb testing he saw both of them by the way and uh, i also wonder if that's where some of his cancer came from it's a whole nother discussion. Anyway, Pop was a great man, literally, figuratively. He was a big dude, too. He was a cook in the Navy, came home and was a cabinet builder. Very successful in his field and um, was one of the most sought-after builders for luxury homes. We actually built, used to build those in the upstate of South Carolina, luxury homes here in the state. So uh, Pop built a bunch of cabinets and... Pop was a businessman, and he was a man whom you could trust his word. When you shook his hand, you could take that to the bank. The bank knew it, and his associates knew it as well. He earned that respect. It was nothing he paid for. It was nothing he was ever given. He had to earn it in his field of work and in his sphere of influence as well. Amateur radio is no different. Any hobby is no different. Golf, the shooting sports collecting baseball cards, YouTube 
video making, whatever your hobby is, we all want to be respected. Okay. I mean, we're kind of inherently built that way, especially men. Our female listeners probably wish to be respected as well. Okay. I would gather that at least from my wife's experience. I will respect my fellow hams and conduct myself so as to earn their respect. You don't want to be that guy, that guy that when they hear you on the repeater, nobody talks to you. You don't want to be the guy that when someone hears you calling CQ, 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 this is K4 CDN, Kilo 4 Charlie Delta November. If they know who you are and they've got no respect for you, you're going to sit there and call CQ until some unknowingly dude rolls in on you or you run out of breath. Um, be respectful and mindful of others, and they'll treat you the same way, I hope. That's my sermon for episode 13. Back in a couple of minutes with Gerald here on Photime. Visit mtcradio.com today. A great one-stop mom-and-pop shop for everything ham radio. Radios, antennas, power supplies, wire and cable, books and training materials, microphones, headsets, and accessories. Find popular brands like MFJ, Heil Sound, Jetstream, LDG, Alinko, Comet, Texas Bugcatcher, Radio Waves, and more. mtcradio.com, an authorized Kenwood and ICOM dealer. mtcradio.com. KF5JNU, Gerald, he's back again this week. I said, Gerald, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Let me think. So he spent the afternoon thinking and he presented us with this. We'll have all the show notes you need to make what he's ta- telling you about make sense. Gerald, welcome back in to the Photon Podcast. Hello, Kale, listeners of the Photon Podcast. Gerald here, KF5 JNU, with a segment on programming your radio. So, this is mostly going to focus on programming your handy talkies and your mobile radios. I thought I'd do it because there seems to be a lot of confusion on the equipment needed and some of the processes that you would use to program a radio. First, I want to start off by saying not all radios are able to be programmed. The majority of your more recent radios, I'd say mid to late 90s and up, are capable of being programmed. The best thing to do is just get on there and uh, look online, see if anybody's talking about it. Some of the software will have a pretty comprehensive list of radios that could be programmed with it and that's another good bet. But more than likely uh, if you have a radio built within the last 10 to 15 years you're going to be able to program it. So why do you want to program your radio? Um, There are a lot of repeaters around a lot of us so that's always handy to have your repeaters put in there with the correct offsets and tones already. Now you can do that with the keypad but if you're like me and you have 15 different repeaters in your area that can be kind of tedious and when you stretch it out across multiple radios it's not any fun at all. So we come to software and software uh, is the applications that we'll install on our computer to program our radios. The first thing I always tell everyone when they ask me about what to use to program their radio I say check and see if whoever made your radio has some sort of software already available for it. I say that because I'm a I'm a Kenwood Kool-Aid drinker and I'm a big fan of Kenwood radios. And both my mobile and my handy talkies have the 
Memory Control Program 4, the MCP4 and the MCP2 available for them. And that is some of the best control software I've found for programming those radios. It has every option that the radios are capable of receiving already inside of the software. I can set everything. I can even on my THD72 Handy Talkie change the picture that comes on the screen when it boots up. So uh, that's always my first bet. If you have a radio from one of the big three manufacturers, go to their website and see if they support it with programming software. My next one I'm going to mention is uh, Chirp. Chirp is a free open source uh, program that will allow you to program multiple, multiple radios. The list grows every time I look at it. Uh, the Chinese import radios, land mobile radios, uh, other older handy talkies, it's, it's just got a number of uh, radios that it supports, and both handy talkies and mobile, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty robust program. We'll get into some more things that I like about Chirp later on. Another up-and-coming um, programming software that's really been hitting hitting the market hard is the RT Systems. RT Systems is unique in the fact that you must use their cable to program your radio. Uh, most of the other software will work with different cables, um, either homemade or ones that you've bought offline, and it, it doesn't really matter too much as long as it has a... Uh, most of the time a serial converter chip in it or a serial plug. Uh, that's all it uh, really cares about. But the RT systems specifically require that you use their cable. And they do that for a number of reasons. The biggest being that it rules out the fact that there could be a bad cable. Uh, you'll notice if you're buying the cheaper cables off of eBay or Amazon that the quality of that cable may be questionable. Well with RT systems you never have to worry. If you order the cable for your radio it's going to work with your radio. So that's a, that's a big plus that they have going for themselves. Also their uh, software, is, it's a really nice software. And that software can be used against a number of different radios as well. Uh, the only downside to that is the actual price that you're going to pay for the software and the cable. And then I also have to mention the ARRL has a product out called Travel Plus and this has been very handy on a few of my cross-country trips where you're able to plug your route into the software and set up a radius so if I'm traveling down I-40 I can tell it that I want all the repeaters 20 miles off of I-40 and it'll shoot me a list of every repeater that's that far off of I-40 for as long as I tell it if I tell it from uh, North Carolina to California it'll list out all the repeaters so it's a heck of a piece of software so we touched on a little bit of the cables that you're going to need. Uh, one end of the cable is going to have one of two connections. It's either going to have a DB9 serial type connection. Um, if you're around in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. If not, then uh, you probably don't have a computer that supports serial, which is going to lead you to the next choice, a USB. So the USB is commonly, um, commonly made onto the ends of most of these radio programming cables and inside of it it contains a USB to serial converter either a prolific or FTDI uh, chip type most likely. Uh, they've, there's been some problems lately with counterfeiting of the chips so there was a while that there is a if you if you want to know more about what I'm talking about Google FTDI gate uh, kinda like Watergate but with FTDI at the front and you'll see some of the um, 
the concerns that were raised with that. But more than likely, you're going to get a good uh, USB to serial chip if you buy it from a reputable manufacturer. And then there's always the homemade style cable. Uh, sometimes you just can't find a cable for your radio. And if that's the case, you might have to go the uh, down and dirty way and make one yourself. So you're going to need a radio, which I'm sure you already have if you're listening to this or you plan on having. And then if you don't have the cable, you're going to need a cable. So either look around and find one or look around to make one. So when you're programming your radio, all the software is going to be a little different. But one thing that doesn't change very much from software to software is the ability to read from your radio. What you do when you read from your radio is you're copying what's already on the radio. Any settings that you've already made, any memories that you've already put in by hand, all that's going to be inside the radio. So when you read the radio, it saves all of that. The reason you want to do that is if you upload something to the radio, or what's called writing to the radio, you may mess something up. And it's always nice to have a starting place to put that radio back to where you started from and find out where you went wrong. So the most crucial thing, if you take away from any of this, is read from the radio before you start messing around. So I told you we'd get back to some of the benefits of Chirp. Chirp is uh, it's one of my favorite open source prop, uh, softwares that's out there. It's the, Since it is open source, there are a lot of people that can contribute to this project and a lot of people that can help out with new radios. This program can, every radio I've ever been able to or needed to program, it's been able to program. Uh, recently I just discovered that it has the ability to introduce pre predetermined frequencies. What I mean by that is so instead of programming in the NOAA weather frequencies, it already has those saved in memory and you can just tell it right here I want you to insert the NOAA weather frequencies. Or you can go down a little bit and say right here I want you to insert the GMRS frequencies. And it already labels them in with the channels and the frequencies and the steps, everything that you need to know. So uh, Chirp is really a great piece of software. And the other neat thing about Chirp is like before when you read from the radio with your factory settings, once you create that radio with all the all the frequencies and settings that you want, you can make a config of it. You can save it so that later if you have another radio or something happens to that radio and you lose your memories, you can just write that config straight back to the radio and not have to worry about going through and entering all the data again. So one other thing you might want to be aware of when programming with radios is some radios have the ability to clone themselves or clone other radios. Most of the time this requires a special cable that just looks like a normal programming cable but on each end. Sometimes there will be a, a box or an adapter in the middle. And what it does is you plug this into the programming port on both radios and then you enter a cloning mode on one of the radios. And by doing that it will clone the other radio to all the same settings that it has with all the same memories. So if you have a, a number of radios in your group, if you have a half dozen or a dozen radios, uh, this is a lot quicker than plugging them all into a computer. Plus you don't even need a computer, you can do it in the field. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, some of the public service radios are capable of over-the-air cloning, which if you're interested in that, there's a, a really great forum, the Bat Labs forum, that has a lot of great information on that. 
so one that I guess the other thing that I'm, I'm overlooking here I need to uh, talk about is where do you program your radio so a lot of the uh, handy talkies don't have a dedicated programming jack or a control jack so you're going to actually hook into where your handy uh, your microphone your hand speaker mic goes um, with the Kenwoods or the Wuxons or the Bofangs that's going to be that dual pinned connector with some of the ICOMs it's going to be that single waterproof type connector so when you're looking for programming cables don't be surprised if one end of them happens to look like what you use for your speaker mic so with that I hope this gets you on your way to programming your radios I hope you're able to uh, get some of them set up so it's not as tedious but don't let any of this bypass the fact that we all need to know how to program our radios by hand and being able to enter something as simple as a, a simplex frequency should be nothing but second nature to you before you go programming with them programming your radio with a computer so hope this was a, a good episode for you if you have any requests send them to Kale I'm sure he'd like to get an email from you and take care KF5 JNU out So this one's winding up a little bit shorter than some past episodes. Thank you guys for listening. Don't go away. This is not the end. I'm just saying we're getting close, and I want to share some things with you before we go. ICQ podcast, amateur ham radio podcast. Have you guys heard that one? It's a lot of fun. They're not from around here. I love listening to them, and I've only spent maybe four or five episodes with them, maybe four. But uh, they <laughs> They're, they're not, they're just, it's, they probably listen. They probably don't listen to the photon podcast, but if they did, they would say, Oh, I love listening to that old yank over there in the States. He's so funny sounding. Well, they're funny sounding too, to me, not in a bad way. I mean, it's a really well put together amateur radio podcast. I'm going to link to it. ICQ podcast. Uh, I'm on, I'm on, uh, iTunes here. I'm about the fifth one listed now, which is not too bad. Uh, at least you can see me. There's uh, 12 reviews up now, which is kind of cool. That means there's been one since I visited. I do and will request that you take time to review the podcast wherever you find it at. If and I've got some folks who can't listen, who don't listen to it anywhere except on the website. They just stream it. And thank you for streaming it on the podcast website that's amateurradio15.com on itunes i asked you last last time week before last to uh put some reviews up uh let's see here here is longtime user 2014 this was his review i don't know why it's called the other ham radio podcast it is the only ham radio podcast i listen to kale k4cdn really lets his enthusiasm for the hobby show great guest and he puts up links to all the cool stuff that he talks about i like that one i like that one here's another one uh ws whedon wonderful show with great guest and is very educational kale has a great production quality for the show and has jumped to being my favorite podcast thank you sir i like that uh great show i wouldn't miss an episode I've listened to all the podcasts and learned a lot as a new ham. I've met Kale, and I can say he is a really nice guy. Thank you. And is passionate about amateur radio. Yeah. Thank you. Football boy three. 
Bill in Atlanta says, great and fun podcast, especially for new hams and those interested in mobile operations. It's well-produced, but still casual. Thank you, Bill. Sat in Atlanta for about three hours in traffic about a month, five, four weeks, three weeks ago. Let's see here. Old Truck says, as a relatively new ham, I find value in every episode. Topics and guests cover a wide range of ham-related topics and deliver it with a value to anyone in the hobby. Another one here from Kilo Mike for Foxtrot Echo Charlie. Congratulations on your new ticket. That's a fairly new call. Lots of great information and entertaining, too. And the last one here by Cheezer or Chezar, maybe. He says, good content, nice audio, easy to listen to, and very entertaining, educational. Highly recommended if you have an interest in amateur radio. Thank you, guys and ladies, if I maybe misinterpreted one of those as a male podcast reviewer. Thank you very much. Uh, it's awesome to ask you guys to do that for me, and then you did. It's very refreshing and gives me strength to carry on. Uh, tune in. Tune in is a new place that a lot of folks are getting their radio station listening from. They're also finding podcasts there. The Ham Radio Podcast Photime is now there on TuneIn. There's a link on the left side of AmateurRadio15.com. You have the iTunes, the Spreaker, the Stitcher, the RSS feed, where you can go and just directly grab the feed of the podcast, and the new TuneIn link. So if you listen to things on TuneIn, make sure you tune in to the Photime Podcast, and uh, you can follow it there. You can like it and star it and all sorts of things. I just got it up today, so I am just got word back from them that it's there and, and operable. So if you like tune in, it's there for you to tune into. Thank you for listening to the Photime Podcast. We are right on top of Thanksgiving. It's a very... Uh, it's a very unusual holiday nowadays. It used to be very just easy and comfortable, but political correctness has really screwed it up for the majority of Americans. But I am very thankful to uh, the Quakers and the Puritans who came here uh, to to begin the world's most awesome social experiment ever. And I am proud to be here, and I'm thankful that you are here with me and listening. I'm thankful for you as a listener and as a participant and a supporter of the Photime Podcast. You can shop at mtcradio.com and find all your gear needs if they don't have it or if you've got an amazon.com gift card you need to burn, head on over to the Faux Store and the links are all over amateurradio15.com. It is an, uh, an affiliate store, which means when you buy from them, they give me a little kickback for having links in my store to the gear you need. If you're looking for MCOM box gear or antennas or radios, HTs, programming cables, whatever, like Gerald talked about a few minutes ago, we've got them there. Just look where it makes sense to look in the store, and that's where you'll find them. I mean, you don't go to the hardware store and look for lingerie, and you don't go to the sporting goods store and, and go back to the running shoes and think that you're going to find a fishing lure there. No, if you need something for an HT, you go to the HT department, okay? All right, uh, I'm going to roll out, and I'll be back maybe sooner than later, and I may or may not be here earlier than my normally scheduled time next time. But thank you again for listening. God bless you guys. We appreciate you being a part of the podcast, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, be nice on the air. 
remember to follow the code of ethics and enjoy this wonderful hobby of amateur radio. 73. Downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Bowtime, the other ham radio podcast. You can find our past episodes, web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bowtime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, 73s.